0: Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. This is a weekly discussion about the many walking paths that make up the Camino de Santiago or the Way of St. James. People have walked the paths for millennia and in the past 1500 years, the walk has developed into a pilgrimage. The remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred beneath the majestic cathedral in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, or St. James, under a field of stars. Santiago is where most people finish their Camino, and it's often said that's where your real pilgrimage begins. In the almost two years I've been doing these weekly podcasts, more often than not, Pilgrims tell me they can hear the call of the Camino. They're being lured for the first time or they're being called back. I've walked two Caminos in 2016 and 2017. The call to return between my first and second walks was overwhelming. And I made the decision to return in 27, uh, 2017 almost immediately after returning home in 2016. The American travel writer and historian William Least Heat Moon wrote, What you've done becomes the judge of what you're going to do, especially in other people's minds. When you're travelling, you are what you are right there and then. People don't have your past to hold against you. No yesterdays on the road. My guest this week is the Australian pilgrim Tony Jarks. Tony and I met through his association with the Blue Mountains Australia Camino supporters. The Blue Mountains are about Two hours' drive west of Sydney. It's a beautiful part of the world. And if you're ever visiting Sydney, you have to visit. And I spoke to the Camino group earlier this year. I was struck by the friendship and fellowship within the community. I can't wait to get back up there again, to be honest. Tony Jax has just finished another Camino. He's on the line from Santiago Airport, about to head somewhere else in Europe. I've managed to grab him for a post-Camino chat. Welcome, pilgrim. Thanks, Dan. Nice to be with you. So how many Caminos is this now? Uh,
1: This was the fourth. Fourth Camino Francaise.
0: So before we get to this latest walk, and it was epic, and I thoroughly enjoyed following your every step via your Facebook page, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Okay, I'm ex-military, was with the British Army, then the Australian. Um... We went up to the Blue Mountains in 2006 and absolutely love it. Uh, walked our first Camino, that's Cecilia, my wife and I, in 2014, and had such a good time that we decided, uh, I decided I'd have to go back. Um, we walked them separately. She um, feels that I hog the map and I over-organize things, so I fully accept that so we do them separately which is fine and uh, she did one last year, I did one the year before and I've done one this year so thoroughly enjoying all that, loving the Blue Mountains and loving the hospitality and the people up there
0: Do you remember where you first heard about the Camino? Um, Cecilia C
1: told me about it she'd read um, Shirley MacLaine's book some years before She tells me she wasn't overly wrapped in some of the um, uh, sort of areas it went into, but it went into her brain, as these things do, and sat there dormant for many years. Uh, As a nurse, she found it very hard to walk at the end of her career, uh, but managed to have two knee replacements. And at the end of that, uh, we were able to go and do our first Camino in 2014, and she did it magnificently.
0: And what prompted that light bulb moment the first time when you and Cecilia said we're going?
1: Um, it was C, saying that for years she dreamed of doing a Camino, and feeling that um, it was beyond her when her knees were a problem. And then when she got that fixed, um, I thought I'd try and help her get there. Um, that that was achieved. Uh, we got there and. Then it got into my brain, and Mm -hmm. I advise people when they come back not to discuss if they're going to go again for at least two months after they return, because why would anyone put themselves through that amount of pain? Uh, It sounds like childbirth to me, but never been there. (laughs) Um, But at the end of it, you sort of think, well, um, what a wonderful family, what a wonderful group of people, and you find yourself back on it.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to get to that because you really feel the lure, and and that's a very important part of our discussion. I'll I'll get to that a little later. But tell us about this latest, Camino, and as I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed following you on Facebook. This has been quite an epic walk, hasn't it?
1: It's been interesting. I took my best mate, Ray McCready, or rather he took me, and as a couple of furry Australians, because we grew the beers, um we actually had a great time and people would uh, laugh out loud at us having a go at each other uh ray would tell me i'm a shithead and other things and <laughs> um he, he would tell people then as an aside that it was a term of endearment i nicknamed i nicknamed him zeus uh because he looked like it or neptune uh, he preferred to be known as Adonis, but um, <laughs> I, I'd quietly, behind his back, tell everyone it was actually Dr. Doctor, Doctor Zeus. Oh,
0: shit, that is um, such a great Australian term. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. yeah, so we had great fun. Oh, that's so funny. And, and so where did you start, uh, and where did you start, and how long did you take to give us all the details? Sure. We started
1: on the 3rd or 4th of September. Um, from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. We'd had a day to acclimatise in the town. Um, I managed to book uh, six months in advance at Orison, which was the uh, eight kilometres up the hill, up the, the Pyrenees, because I thought Ray would need a gentle shoe-in. Uh, we did that, and it was good fun. Um, had the usual torrid day coming over the top uh, to Roncesvalles, which, by the way... You have to book nowadays. They were turning people away uh, because they didn't have enough beds. Um, And then we walked all the way along the French route to Santiago, taking 36 days. Uh, We weren't rushing. About 20K a day was comfortable. And then from there, after a day's rest, we went on to Finisterre and took a taxi to Muxia, which is more beautiful than Finisterre. Um, then came back to Santiago. So that was this year's.
0: So you finished mid-October or thereabouts. How busy was it, Tony?
1: Yes, I made a mistake. I actually hit the absolute height of the season um, where they come out of Saint-Jean-Pierre to port at 500 a day. Um, We, of course, many of those people don't carry on. But it became a bit of a bed race. Um, the good thing was that municipals and other um, albergues that are run by the Junta don't, um, don't reserve, so you could usually get a bed. Uh, we went through Lyon, and the whole of Lyon was full. Somebody tried to give us a two-star flea-bitten hotel room for 150 euros, but we declined. So it was a bit busy, and uh, we were a bit miffed on one of the uh, stops just before uh, the Iron Cross at Fonce Badon and um, Crudeferro. Uh, the Arberga, we, we actually booked forward into this one. And when we got there, they said, sorry, we gave you beds away. A Polish cycling team came and booked the whole lot. So it, it was a little bit difficult in that sense.
0: That's the first time I've ever heard of something like that?
1: Yeah, it's the absolute of the season. I think what had happened as well is because of the 45 degrees um, and we got 38 degrees, which was hot enough, Um, in the middle of summer there, a lot of people had postponed. So it, it changed things a little bit in the dynamics of the people. Once we got to Saria, it was fairly quiet. So... The funny thing was it was busy all the way along the early part of the route.
0: How interesting. And so what about, for instance, the Meseta? When I have the two Caminos I've walked in and did, when we went back again in April this year, the Meseta was quite quiet. How busy was that that stretch between Burgos and, and Leon?
1: Yeah, it was busy. Uh, right. you, did need to, you did need to book ahead. But, of course, when you're walking within five or ten minutes, you're on your own because... Unless you're walking with someone, faster people go ahead, slower people drop behind.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about the weather? Uh, You talked about the fact that it had been a very hot summer. What about September, October? How was it?
1: Yeah, the early part of September, we were getting 38 degrees. Uh, We had three days of rain in the entire 40-odd days, so that was pretty good. And they've got it slated that next week it's going to rain all week. So I think we just skipped the, uh, skip the rain, but got some of the sun in the beginning. And to cope with that, of course, it's a, uh, out the door at 5 or 6 a.m. and stopped walking around about 11.
0: And, and so why did you choose to walk this particular time of the year? Is that when you always walk, September, October?
1: No, I'm usually two weeks later and it seems better then. Um, the problem this year was I'm involved with the RSL and Remembrance Day on the right. 11th of November. Yeah. And that sort of uh, pushed everything back.
0: Yeah, yeah. Big year this year, of course, 100 years. Now, you, you said you walked with Ray. Did you walk side by side all the way? And how did that all pan out? No, wh-
1: no way. I thought he was going to be slower than me and the bugger was way ahead. So I I ended up by trailing in his wake. But um, I think if my wife and I walk again, if Cia and I walk, we'll probably set where we're going to be and then walk separately to get there. It's an easy way of
0: doing it. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little later. But, But before we get there, are you a spiritual person, Tony? Um, not
1: overly, but uh, like everybody, we sort of go along to the odd service to see if we can recapture something that may have disappeared over the years.
0: Well, how do you describe the Camino to people, then?
1: Um, I'd say it's really not an overly spiritual war.
0: How do you describe it? But the
1: majority... Uh, the majority do it as a uh, wonderful experience of uh, human nature and people. And it's the the friends you make, the people you are with, the um, incredible together of all the countries of the world um, who can't even speak the same language at times but have a common purpose. And that common purpose for the people doing the long trek translates into everybody helping each other. Um, any pilgrim who stops with his boot off or her boot off immediately gets every single pilgrim coming up behind, offering anything they've got in their pack to help them and to get them going. And it's just wonderful.
0: Yet you keep going back, so it's clearly had an impact on you. How do you describe that impact to other people?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I say that I think it's life-changing. I think the the walk itself uh, actually settles your mind down. You, in many ways, um, get, get a lot more comfortable in yourself. You learn a lot about yourself. Mm. You uh, make friends almost instantly. Um, Father Nick, a chap that I met uh, two years ago, reckons that uh, friendship on the Camino of one day equates to about seven years of life. So the normal in-and-out friendships you make, um, you get seven years' worth if you walk with someone and talk with them and sleep in the same room and have a meal and just get to know them. And there are no sides. People uh, can't hide. They can't hide their true selves. Um, Ladies lose all the makeup and... Everything else is too heavy to carry. Fellows grow beards because the razor's too heavy. Um, but everybody supports each other, and it's just wonderful.
0: I, um, I mentioned the strong fellowship in the Blue Mountains Camino community, and it was very obvious to me when I visited. Why, then, do you think pilgrims in general stay in touch with one another when they return home? Why is this Camino fellowship so strong?
1: I think because when you become friends on the Camino, um, no one sometimes knows your name. They don't know what you do. They don't know where you're from um, until later on. They don't know how much you make. They don't know what status you have. And the friendships you make are true friendships. They are uh, one-to-one person uh, actually um, speaking into the heart of the other one. Um, some of the things you're told um, or you tell others are things you wouldn't tell your own family or your friends or your or, or your wife. Um, and you almost tell people that straight away, maybe thinking that you'll never see them again. But I'm just going to flick around Europe and go to Germany to spend two days with a friend I met in 2014. We've been friends ever since. We met a lady from Washington two years ago called Sarah and became good friends with her, and she got on a boat uh, this year, sailed to Sydney, and was looked after by her Camino buddies. Um, she's 82 years old. Oh. Um, that's the sort of thing that happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and uh, I don't like talking in negatives, but, but what's, the, what's the one aspect of pilgrimage that you struggle with the most?
1: Um, I think probably keeping the body going. You, you really have to listen to your body and you have to, um, yeah, to, to some degree you have to manage yourself very well. And yeah. if you don't listen to your body, you, you break down, you really hurt yourself. Um, I suppose the other thing that I don't particularly like, and I do warn pilgrims (laughs) right at the beginning, is when you get to Saria, the whole essence of the pilgrimage changes because there are so many tourists and those tourists are just doing the last five days and often with a car back up and with uh, luggage being taken and everything. Um, And the striking thing about that is they actually don't talk to anyone except their own group and they'll stand in the way of photographs, and there's no courtesy that pilgrims give each other along the way. Um, So so that's slightly different, and I tell people it's a a test of their true pilgrim spirit to be able to say, well, everyone (laughs) does their own.
0: Exactly, exactly. What's the greatest lesson you've learned from the Camino and being a pilgrim?
1: I think that everybody... Uh, you meet has value they they all in their own way are tremendous you can find out later on they're a saint or a sinner Uh, you can find out that they've had a hell of a life or whatever Uh, but suddenly you find you're speaking to a person you're not speaking to the outside of a person and that's fantastic so i like that
0: were you somebody's camino angel on this last walk? Uh,
1: possibly a couple of times. Um, <laughs> coming out, <laughs> coming out of, um, uh, coming out of Badon, and um, the Iron Cross. I was with a sixty-nine-year-old who fell on the path. He had his hands behind him, reaching for into his pocket, and planted his face completely in the dirt. Uh, got to him straight away, and he had broken his nose and he needed four stitches and hurt himself a bit. So the wonderful thing again, the Camino little miracles almost that come. I hesitate to call them a miracle, but there were, of course, nurses straight away who helped clean him up. Uh, we got him up. We then walked him half a kilometre to uh, where a road crossed the path Where he fell was the only sandy bit, um, where there are rocks everywhere else, so that was wonderful. And a vehicle stopped to let us across the road when when we got to the road, and I noticed it had orange uh, markings and orange lights, so I talked to the driver and motioned to him that someone was injured, and it turned out to be a Peregrino, a pilgrim rescue vehicle, and the guy turned around straight away, put him, put um, Bill in the vehicle, uh, put the two ladies who were with him, who were in their 60s, and shot him straight to hospital. He was there in five minutes. Uh, if he'd fallen anywhere else on that route, um, it would have been half an hour to an hour to get him off. So, yep,
0: that was certainly... Did you find yourself at any stage needing a Camino Angel? Sorry, any? Did you find yourself at some stage needing a Camino Angel? Um, Not this
1: time, but I was surprised by Camino magic. Um, Yeah. Two years years ago, uh, I met a, a priest at Legraño, an English priest called Father Nick. He took up with a U.S. Navy fellow uh, who was a submarine technician in nuclear subs. Um, They weren't quite sure why they were doing the Camino, but they found each other and became friends. Uh, They went up the Via Romana in the middle there and uh, stayed in Albergue. And they'd met two Americans who were a bit like Ray and I having a go at each other. And in the morning, uh, one of the Americans came down and said, help, I can't wake my friend. And they went upstairs and the friend had died, um, natural causes in his sleep. Yeah, Father Nick was able to go down and ask for olive oil, which he was given without question, and administered the last rites. The police investigated and gave the scallop shell of the American who died to his other friend who then took it all the way to Finisterre uh, in memory of his new Camino friend and uh, sent it back to 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 England, uh, to America, to the family it never met. Now, that was two years ago. I hadn't been in contact since that trip. I told that story in an albergue south of Castle Hereth, and one of the ladies I told it to, Dana, was... In, enjoyed the story and was moved by it and she uh, the next night couldn't get into an Arbor and was moved to another one where she proceeded to tell that story to the group of pilgrims and two people sitting at the table one nudged the other the, the woman and said Joe that's you and that was Joe who was the person who was the nuclear submarine friend of Father Nick who was on the Camino at the very same time no. as me as you and said to Dana, who, who on earth, you know, what did he look like? So she explained this small, hairy, um, <laughs> uh, bespectacled fat fellow, and um, he recognized that, but he didn't recognize Zeus, who was with me, who she explained as well. Uh, the very next day, in the middle of a town, in the middle of the Meseta, Joe walked up to me, gave me a huge bear hug, and I didn't know it was going to happen, and said, hi, Tony, you might not remember me. And we walked into Santiago together.
0: Oh, my God, what a story. <laughs> <laughs> my God, what a, that is yeah. fantastic. Oh, Tony, happens that- all the time. Look, no, it happens all. The it time. happens yeah. all the time. Now you're at the airport, and I can hear things getting busy in the background. So I'm going to keep. I'm going to push on. Sure. Uh, uh, how, okay. far, how far did you walk each day this last time round?
1: Yeah, we walk about twenty-two, sometimes twenty-four, twenty-six. Um, sometimes less if we're instead of stopping, we didn't like to stop or take a rest day. We would just walk a 15K day or a 10K day. Ray used to say that um, he he would say to his wife on, um, on Facebook, uh, oh, we've got a short day today, easy one, just going 10K. And then he'd sit back and say, my God, I actually drive to the shop <laughs> when I'm home. And here I am talking about a simple 10K walk.
0: Yeah, that's right. You, so, you do, you, you, yeah. How heavy was your pack or packs, both of you? Um, my,
1: my pack was about seven kilo, and we did ship packs forward. Um, this time we sent the main pack, um, and I've got a sleep machine. I'm, I need to have a CPAP machine at night, which is 2.1 kilo, and so um, it's easier to, to ship it forward. Mind you, it's a great excuse because i got the bottom bunk.
0: So what do other pilgrims make of the noise of the sleep <coughs> machine in, in albergues? I've um, had
1: almost universally everybody has said it's really soothing. It's like, like the sea with the going in and out. And uh, some have even said they thought it
0: cancelled out a few of the snorers who were around <laughs> There you go. That's interesting. So being ex-military, you'd have done a, a fair bit of off-road work, as it were. Does your yeah. army training help in, in in walking the Camino? A,
1: a little bit, um, bit. A bit over-organized and, you know, take things like compasses I've never used and other things. So I threw the compass away today when it fell apart. Um Yeah, uh, the military training does help. Probably the best thing that helps for me is um, when we marched and got blisters, we used to have to keep marching. They would give us a short break and basically say, now you've got to keep going. And it didn't matter what the state of your feet was. You just had to put your boots back on and keep going. So we discovered a little trick, which was the Leukoplast. Um, It's a white, shiny tape that... Uh, We put over hot spots when you get a little red hot spot rubbing. Uh, You put it over a blister that's formed once you cut a hole in the blister and let it drain. Or you put it over a de-roofed blister, so even if the top has been ripped off and you've got raw skin, you put the Leuco Plus straight over the top. It's got to be the shiny one, which acts as a second skin, and it stays on for three weeks, four weeks. It stays on in the shower. Uh, because to take it off raw skin would be awful. Um, And it's a bit of a trick. And uh, I've occasionally helped a few people along the way with that.
0: Wait a minute. What happens when you do eventually take it off? It actually falls off. Um, The skin has grown underneath.
1: It becomes very strong. And you just take it off your skin because by then you've got a a proper layer of skin and it's fine.
0: You touched on this earlier and I began by quoting the American travel writer and historian William Least Heat Moon who wrote, When you're traveling, you are what you are right there and then. People don't have your past to hold against you. And yes. it's one of those great things about being a pilgrim, isn't it? No one cares what you do back home. You are a pilgrim. Yep. The great yep.
1: And often you don't know. You yeah. yeah, you don't know their name even.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, and are you a talker on the trail?
1: I'm afraid I am. Um, <laughs> I like to think I'm fairly quiet. <laughs> I think both Ray and, both Ray and I are uh, rather chatty and we, we also stir a lot. So that tends to have people thinking twice about, did I really mean it? <laughs> um, <laughs> do, do you listen to music when you walk? No I've never done that and uh, I sort of feel that for me that would cut out a lot of what I experience and um, I hear a lot of the birds singing and, and yeah. that leads me to look for and find the little robin who's chirping along and yeah. uh, red breast and that sort of thing. Um, I get more out of talking to people or being on the trail and I'm not sure, you know, Cat Stevens, Simon and Garfunkel and the others would be easier to walk to.
0: No, I'm the same. I, I didn't like it. Um, I thought that there was far too much to listen to and I always felt like I was kind of missing something. But you, you, yeah. you, you told me last time we met in Blackheath that you're only interested in walking the Camino Frances. Why is that?
1: Um, I think rather, I rather... I get my... Um, uh, feelings of contentment from the people I walk with. So I become a bit of a storyteller and pick up stories. So when I tell people a few things, they tell me back. Uh, for instance, this year uh, with our Camino group, um, sadly, five people have died on oh. in that group. Um, last year, three died and it's worth saying at this point that this is a difficult walk and you, you need to be careful. Um, it's not a walk in the park and some people do it when perhaps they're not medically fit or, or other things. So um, you, you just need to be careful. But it's not surprising that out of the 300,000 pilgrims, by the way, went through last week, so the 300,000 pilgrim went through when i was getting my compostela so the numbers are just enormous and if you look at that amount of people over that amount of distance and time things happen
0: yeah that's really interesting. And it, I should just point out that if you're new to the podcast, uh, the Camino Frances is the most popular route, beginning in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port on the French side of the Pyrenees, winding its way across the Alps via Pamplona, Loroño, Burgos-Leon and into Santiago de Compostela. It's called the Camino Frances. What's the most important thing, Tony, in your backpack? What's the one thing you make sure you take every time?
1: Um, torch, actually, because there's such a lot of uh, walking at night and sometimes getting up, I make sure the torch is there. Um, and probably equal to that would be the phone, because that's my camera and my contact to family back home. Um, I just want to tell you very quickly, Dan, I was in Atapurco, about halfway along the... the um, center of humanity where they found the oldest people apparently and I was sitting in a cafe with a Danish lady uh, and her sister who was very pretty uh, just chatting and that wasn't why I was chatting and she told me she is a Dan Mullins podcast (laughs) aficionado and from Denmark has, has listened to every single one
0: and loves the sound of your voice. Well that's very kind of you. Now I don't like talk, you know, I don't like talking about myself Tony, you know that. But that's very ki- that's very kind of you. I mentioned earlier you walked with your wife a few years ago. Does the Camino strengthen the bond of marriage do you think? A chance to perhaps grow together, experience something together?
1: Yes, it does. It it, it will work both ways. Um so you, you have to be careful because um, it can focus on problems and it can also focus on good issues. Uh, for Ray and I, in terms of the friendship, not the marriage, it was nearly a marriage, um, we, we ended up at the end probably as good, if not better, friends than when we started. But there were people who um, were together and then at the end of it found that things had become a bit strained i think they they say the camino gives you what you need not what you want um so that's a spanish way of looking at the camino and that you know it depends what you need i suppose
0: yeah and i know i spoke with virginia and michael williamson in week 89 of my podcasts, and they walk their own pace. And as you said earlier, they catch up later in the day. It worked for you and C. It works for them, I suppose. It's important to find your own pace, not just on the Camino, but in your marriage too. Let me—I've only got a couple more questions, and I can hear things are getting frantic at the airport there. Why do you? Sure. Why do you think you were called to be a pilgrim? um initially i
1: thought it was to help others and in the first sense to help see which she probably didn't need to go and do the camino um so i was still in the family mode of both of us uh, doing everything we could for the family as such um so that was the first calling the calling after that has simply been that it is such a wonderful trip i want to Uh, go again. And I do enjoy being able to help people. So um, I've used these other Caminos from time to time to assist people at the beginning and talk about things that help them. I find I get less relevant as time goes on, of course, because they become experienced pilgrims uh, themselves. But certainly at the beginning, they're
0: keen to hear a little bit and pick up a few thoughts from other people. How has it changed? How has the Camino changed your view of the world? I was always pretty
1: um, pretty well-traveled, um, lived in Borneo um, for seven years, uh, lived in Germany and, and all around the place. So what it's done for me is it's given me a great um, coming together of all those different people, different languages. And thoroughly, I've thoroughly enjoyed um, picking up that and the friendships that have formed both on the trail and off the trail later on. So, yeah, I've just enjoyed thoroughly the Camino.
0: I've been asking my guests lately if they could whisper something into the ear of their 21-year-old self, what would it be? What would you say to your 21-year-old self, Tony?
1: Um, slow down and smell, smell the
0: roses. And one word to sum up the Camino. Now the question I've been... Life di- yeah, go on. Mm. Life-changing. The question I've been dying to ask you, <laughs> will you go back? <laughs> <laughs> My advice to people is not
1: to talk about it for the <laughs> two months. <laughs> I've... <laughs> I've, I've I've felt that this Camino, that there have been four or five actual closures for me, people that um, I hadn't met for four or five years suddenly turning up in my life and in the walk and in the Camino. So it almost feels that it's it's giving me a bit of closure. So I don't know. I'll have to sit back and take that on notice.
0: Well, I really appreciate your time, Tony. Congratulations on another Camino, another adventure, another opportunity to grow. We'll catch up soon. Thank you. I-, I can hear that things are getting frantic in the background. We've managed to sneak in 35 minutes between arriving at Santiago Airport and where are you headed to today, Paris?
1: Uh, yes, I'm going via Barcelona, and if you like, I'll introduce you to the pilot here.
0: Pilot, just joking. Just joking. Just joking. Just the funniest thing you said was that that Reiki's calling you shithead, and I'm wondering what all of those people from around the world are wondering. Wondering when they hear that Australian man call his friend shithead. But thank you. That is so (laughs) funny. So funny. Thank you so. Okay, thank you so much, Tony. Uh, we'll we'll catch up soon. I look forward to it. And 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 at some stage before the end of the year, if not early in the new year, we'll catch up. Buen camino, my friend. Gracias. Thanks, mate. My guest this week, the Australian pilgrim, Tony Jarks. Tony's part of the great community of pilgrims in the Blue Mountains outside Sydney. You can find them via Facebook, the Blue Mountains Australia Camino Supporters. The American travel writer and historian William Least Heat Moon wrote, What you've done becomes the judge of what you're going to do, especially in other people's minds. When you're travelling, you are what you are right there and then. People don't have your past to hold against you. No yesterdays on the road. No yesterdays in life. I'm Dan Mullins. Thank you for your company. Until next week, Buen Camino.